0: we go here in, in this book tonight, but we're going to jump around uh, into some, some areas, uh, but the, the first part of the book, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and when we look at the book, this very first statement should just jump out at you, the revelation of Jesus Christ, so this book is dealing with him revealed. That's what it's dealing with. So everything else that tries to be preached out of that may just not be correct. Okay. Now, the next part of this, this is, this is kind of setting forth what John is writing. Which God gave him to show unto his servants even the things which must shortly come to pass, and sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear witness of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, even all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep the things that are written therein, for the time is at hand. All right. We're going to stop right here for a moment. I'm going to try not to run around like I usually do. I'm going to see if I can. If I can stay in place a little bit. Just a little bit. Because I I take the messages now, a lot of messages I preach, and I put them on a podcast. So a lot of times when I run down the aisles, guess what? The equipment I'm using doesn't necessarily grab it. I'm trying, but... but I'm telling you, I want to run down the aisle. <laughs> That's what I like to do. When John said something was shortly going to come to pass, what did he mean? When he said it's a hand, what did he mean? Did he mean it was a hand when John was alive, or did he mean it was at hand somewhere in the future? This is... This is a question you've got to ask yourself. And you, you know, not just yourself, you've got to ask the Lord. Mm-hmm. Who was John talking to? I know, I know he's talking to the entire church, but he said something's getting ready to come to pass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I have to ask myself, and we're going to turn back to 1 John here in a moment, but I have to ask myself, what was going on in John's day? Does anybody know what what was happening in John's day? Can anybody have you have you studied out John's day church history? Well, short lesson. How many like history? How many went to school and studied history? Okay. So in John's day, Israel was under whose rule, or Jerusalem. Israel was divided. How many know that in John's day, the kingdom had been divided? The kingdom was, you know, Israel had already been carried away by the Assyrians, if you study your Bible. And Jerusalem was under whose authority? It was under Rome. So the Romans had authority over Israel, or over Jerusalem. So, what had transpired also is Jesus had come and died and rose from the dead. But the Christians in that day, they weren't living what you say they were living victorious in Christ. So don't misunderstand me. But they, what was going on with Christians in that day? They were being fed to the lions. They were being burned at the stake. They're, they're, they were suffering tragedy at the hands of the Romans, if you go back into that history. And, and I was reading uh, about a, a story, a, a historical event, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't know how, if it's 100% accurate or if it's not, but it was, it was to this effect. One of the Roman military men had went to a Christian and said, just say Caesar's Lord, I don't want to kill you. What the issue was in Rome? Rome was filled with many gods. Do you know that Rome? Rome was filled with pagans, with paganism. They worshiped many idols, many gods. And what the problem with the Christians was was that the Christians only had one God. That was the issue. See, from what I read, if the Christians had just said, okay. Jesus is a god and Caesar's a god because the Caesar was as a god. In fact, I, I, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was Tiberius Caesar called himself the son of God, called himself the way. Did you know that? When you go through the history of the Roman kings, they had even a school of priests. You want to know where Roman Catholicism goes, come from? Go read a little bit of history of Rome, and 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 all. Once you start looking there, and you go, wow, this this come right out. This may come right up out of history. So so the, so the paganism was there, and the and the problem with with Rome was Caesar was was to Rome. Caesar was Lord, and that meant he was the ruler of the earth. And if you go flip over to Luke, I believe chapter two. And, and I, I believe it's chapter 2. I, I don't have this one in my notes, so you're going to get a little double help in here. So here we go. In Luke 2, 1 says, Now it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. This was a Roman king, Caesar. That all the world should be enrolled, this version says. The King James says taxed. This was the first enrollment made when Quirinius was governor of Sirius and all went to enroll themselves, everyone in this whole city. So I guess they were going to enroll so they could be taxed. So why were they enrolling themselves? It's kind of like their social security system today, so you can get taxed, right? So they were going so they could be taxed. Who were they paying taxes to? Who Jesus... We remember when Jesus took the coin and he said what? Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar. The reason he said that is Caesar was under, had rule. Here it says all the earth. Now if you study out the history there, I don't believe they really had rule over the entire world, the entire globe. I don't believe that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll study it out and they did. But what was called the earth to the writer here, the Jewish people, Rome had authority over that. They had authority over a lot of Europe, a lot of Asia. So Rome was in power, and they were, Caesar was known as the Lord. So when these Christians got up and started saying Jesus is the only Lord, see, see, in, and I'm sure this was going on in the Caesar's mind, They're going to, he's going to dethrone Uh uh me. So, so they just started, you know, I think, uh, I don't know which which one, but the worst one of them, according to history, was Nero, and he just started butchering Christians. Uh Okay? So when John was saying a time was at hand, this was what John was going through. Like, you'll hear people talk about how bad it is today, Right? We ain't getting fed to lions. Now, some countries, things aren't as good. But you're not getting fed to a lion today because you're a Christian, are you? Yes,
1: yes.
0: Now, like I said, in some countries, it's not so good to be a Christian. But here in the United States, they're not taking you out and burning you at the stake. Yes, they're, not killed, yes. they're not throwing you in jail. They're not beating you. They're not this, that, and the other. So we, we hear a lot of times how bad it's getting. Maybe it's gotten better. We we may need to put it in context. If everybody keeps telling you how bad it's getting, sooner or later you believe that's the message. It's getting worse every day. I live in a very good place to be honest with you. I'm happy. I'm at rest in the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I don't know, I, I don't, in my spirit, I don't believe that's the right message that's getting worse every day. I believe there's, a, there's the wrong message getting conveyed to the people of God, and the people of God are speaking. Remember, I started talking about their mouth. They're speaking things out of their mouth that just ain't true. Because it's, it's broadcast about that it's just getting worse and worse. I don't see the arenas filled with lions here. Now it was bad there. So the victory that, that John was looking for and Paul was looking for in those early writings where they were looking for this rule to be cast down. You know that. That's exactly what they were looking for. So John was saying the time is at hand. All right. Flip back with me. We're going to go backwards and forward. I said I said First John, so I'll do this. Let's go to First John, and then we're going to go to the Pro- prophet Isaiah. So First John two and verse. I don't know fifteen. We can start there. 1 John 2.15 says, John writes, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the cosmos, this word world, I do believe means cosmos, and I'm going to tell you for sure so I don't mess up, okay? Because believe it or not, I could mess up. You know us preachers could every now and then mess up. But 1 John 2. And the word "world" here is a Greek word in verse fifteen that is "cosmos." Does anybody ever look this up? It's very important. There are three primary words used for "world" in your New Testament. And maybe I, I want to think there's four words, but there's three primary ones that all mean the same thing. One of the challenges we have sometimes is we just read it the world and then we define it by this right here. So cosmos means orderly arrangement. Now, I think this applies a hundred percent to us today so don't get me wrong but I think... What John may have been saying, I, I, consider with me, love not the orderly arrangement. What arrangement were they under? They were under the arrangement of
1: Judaism. Okay?
0: So they were under that order and that arrangement. That's what they had grown up in. The apostle John was a Jew, right? According to the flesh. So love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father's not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the vain glory of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children. Notice this verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. The King James says last time, right? Well, this word time actually means it actually, the definition of it is an hour, day, hour, season. So John's writing to the people right there where he's with, and he's saying, we're in the last hour, the last season, the last day. And he says to them there, he says, what does he say? And as ye have heard that Antichrist cometh, even now have there arisen many Antichrists. When did he say many Antichrists arose? I'm not saying there's not Antichrist out here today, but when did John say many Antichrists had, had arisen up in his day? And he says, whereby we know that it is the last hour. And because of this, he knew it was the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would, have, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they are all not of us. And we have an anointing from the Holy One, and ye know all things. And he says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and because no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. Even he that denieth the Father and the Son, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning abide in you, ye shall also abide in the Son and in the Father. So he's telling them in John's writing, the last hour is upon them. Now this is important to know. Why? Hebrews 9. Flip to Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. Verse 23. It was necessary, therefore, that the copies... Of the things in the heavens should be cleansed with these. I should probably move back and read verse 22 so you know what I'm talking about. It says, and according to the law, I say, may almost say all things are cleansed with blood, and apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It was necessary, therefore, that the copies of the things in heaven should be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things with better sacrifices than these. And I'm going to stop for just a second. So the copies of the things in heaven was the old tabernacle and the old temple. That was the copy of the things in heaven. So what would be the things in heaven cleansed with blood? Why would things in heaven, if our concept of things in heaven is the way you, you know, our mind has fallen, why would things in heaven have to be cleansed with
1: blood? because
0: you are the heavenly things. You have to be cleansed with blood. So the copies, see see if you go back and you read your history of your Bible, if you go back and read your Bible, Moses cleansed what with blood? Pretty much all things. And he said it's a copy of the things in heaven. But the things in heaven wasn't cleansed with the blood of bulls and goats and turtle doves. But they are cleansed with the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen? Aren't you cleansed with the blood of Christ? Absolutely. So let's let's move on from here. For Christ entered not into the holy place made with hands. See, he didn't enter into that old temple. You realize that? He didn't even enter into the old temple with his offering. Like in the patterns of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear before the face of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the only place year by year with the blood not his own. Else must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once at the end of the ages. That's what this translation says. King James says world. Remember I said that first word world was a word that meant cosmos. Guess what this word here means? It's, it's, uh, if, I'm, if I pronounce it correct, it's a Greek word that's like aeon. And it means a period of time, like age. So once at the end of the age, Christ appeared. So what age ended? The law and the prophets. So Christ appeared to be manifested, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What did John say when Jesus came, came down and was saw John? Behold the Lamb of God that does what? Taketh Take away the sin of the world. So Christ comes taking away the sin of the world at the end or completion of the age. So that age was complete. Uh Alright? So this age, when Jesus offered himself up to God, the age of the law and the prophets were it was complete. That was it. That That was what they wrote up. That's what Jeremiah was declaring. That's what Isaiah was declaring. They were declaring him. Even Jesus told them that. He said, search the scripture in them you think you have life, but these testify of who? Of me. So here he comes. Who testified And he offered himself as a fulfillment. But guess what was still going on? When John was writing the book of Revelation. The priestly offering, the sacrifice, the priesthood, the temple is still there. So it's still going on. The high priest, the order, all of it. But but Jesus had fulfilled it. But they still carried on with it. They carried on for 40 years. In the book of Matthew, he says something powerful: "This generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled." Now, a lot of people preach today. We're living in that generation, and, I, and I tell, I'll tell you, you don't want to be that generation. No, it's fulfilled. You, you don't want to be it. No, I want to be it. No, so, so this generation shall not pass till all be fulfilled. Well, what had to be fulfilled? What, what, what still hadn't been fulfilled? Go back to Isaiah 61. See, these are questions we gotta we got to answer. When someone talks to us out in the street, and we need to use our mouths and talk to people in the street, or in the road, or at Walmart. You know, I say street, but you know what I mean. And in Isaiah 61, verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord... Jehovah is upon me. Because Jehovah hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the open of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor. Now Stop right there. To proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor. And, notice this, and. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. Mark that day of vengeance. All right. Flip over to Luke 4. Luke 4. And start at verse 16. Luke 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, Jesus speaking of Jesus, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he entered, as the custom was, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book and found in the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He hath sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he handed it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, Today... This scripture hath been fulfilled in, in your ear. All right. For about the next three years, I don't have the full timeline down. But for about the next three years, Jesus went about, he told them this is fulfilled in their ears, right? He went about doing what? Preaching the gospel to the poor. Setting chapter free, healing the blind raising the dead he began to declare God's favor in Jerusalem for about the next three years What, what did he not say here in Luke 4 that Isaiah said did you pick up something this is coming directly out of what we just read Isaiah 61 if you go back and read All of Isaiah 61. What he did not say is to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Right? He didn't say that. But Isaiah 61 said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach the favor, to declare the favor, to declare the grace, and the day of vengeance. But he didn't plan it right here. Now, I want you to flip back to Isaiah chapter 1. Because a lot of people say the reason he didn't say it is because I had to wait for two or 3,000 years and then the day of vengeance was coming. What some people say. Some people may not say anything. And there's probably all kinds of different beliefs. But Isaiah chapter 1, I want you to look at this real close. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning who? Who? Mark that down. In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So during the period of these kings, If we hear it, Isaiah had a vision or an open heaven from the Lord. Right? And what he was seeing was in regard to Judah and Jerusalem. So when you come back over, flip back over to 61. So if I come back over to 61 and I read 61, verse... uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to King James the, I read the American Standard mostly a Jehovah's favor and the day of vengeance of our God who might he be talking about if, if verse 1 says his vision was concerning Judah and Jerusalem who then might the vengeance be poured out on I give you, we could go through a whole lot of scripture on this. There, there's a, I think it's in, in Isaiah or Ezekiel. I've got it somewhere in, in, in a book I've been working on. And maybe maybe it's in Ezekiel. I can't remember right now. But where God had a parable of two women. Obadiah, Obadiah or something and uh, whatever, the sisters. And one, he said, was the heart. And he said the other one was the worst heart. Guess who he's speaking about? He's speaking about Israel and Jerusalem. Or Judah. So he's speaking about it if you go read it. So when you start reading that and you come up to the day of vengeance of our God, in our minds we have, have the idea that the day of vengeance is still out here in the future. No. A lot of us do. Some of us don't. But, but a, lot of, a lot of people that go to meetings, they, they're constantly looking for the day of vengeance to come. But the day of vengeance, according to Isaiah, was according to Judah Jerusalem. Same way with Daniel's prophecies. If you'll go read them real close, Daniel was speaking concerning Jerusalem. Daniel saw four kings, four kingdoms. And he told you pretty much the first was Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. The second would come and it was the Medes and the Persians. The third would come and it was Greece. And when Jesus was up on the scene was the fourth and the most brutal kingdom of the earth. And it was called the Roman Empire. And people are still projecting those four kingdoms are you know at least one of them somewhere out in the future. Well, Jerusalem was sitting under Roman rule. You realize that they were under the rule of the Romans. So, so here you had the Roman rule, and Jerusalem was being governed by Rome their authority was given by Rome. Right. Amen. So when, when this Jesus came on the scene, he, he disrupted the whole thing. When he comes straight healing the sick and raising the dead, Jews were mad at it. Most of the Jews weren't, hey, this is awesome. We'll follow him. you. You go, read the, you go read the story of Lazarus and let us think in and we and we've taught about Lazarus for years that that how Jesus came and, and raised him from the dead but you go read this real close well, well many of the Jews wanted to kill Lazarus after he was raised from the dead because if I remember it right him people weren't believing on Jesus they weren't they weren't let's raise up Jesus. There there was, oh no, this guy's overthrowing everything we've built, everything we've worked for. He's overthrowing it. He's making chaos everywhere. That's what was going on. It, it It was chaos, all right? So flip over to Luke 21. Luke 21. In verse, straight verse twenty, Luke twenty-one, verse twenty says, "But when you see Jerusalem ca- compassed about with armies, then know that her desolation is at hand." I'm going to stop here for a minute. I, I said something earlier. This generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled. Well, in your Bible, and many people believe this, a generation was forty years. Okay, dealt with forty years. When Jesus made the proclamation, "This generation shall not pass away," about forty years later, old Jerusalem passed away, was destroyed. Forty years by the Romans. That's it, brother Roger. By the Romans. So, so then, what happened in nineteen? What was it year? Nineteen forty? Was it forty-two or forty-eight? When Israel became a nation again, uh, somewhere in the forties. Uh, I think it was 48 because I believe there was a prediction in 1988. I believe I believe it's you right. It Maybe in 1982, Jesus was going to come again because 40 years. For years. Mm-hmm. And then people then start. Some people start saying no, it meant 70 years. Mm-hmm. And so they begin to look for him. Maybe it was 42 because I think around 2012 there become another prediction. He's coming again. And what I tell you probably when they predicted it wrong the first time, I would have questioned them. When they predicted it wrong the second time, I probably wouldn't listen much to them anymore. Because they've done missed it twice. Missed it more than that. People predicted His coming for years and years and years. He's ready to come. But here Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem passed about with armies, then know that her desolation is at hand. Then let them that are in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them that are in the midst of her depart out. And let not them that are in the country enter therein. For these are what? The days of vengeance. See, See, there in Luke 4, he didn't declare the day of vengeance. He said, I'm here declaring God's favor. Luke 21, which is roughly, like I said, I, I think about three years later, guess what he's doing? These are the days of vengeance of, of, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Well, now what was written? The prophets. So Isaiah's prophecy of the day of vengeance was written, and then he goes on and says, Woe to them! that are with child and them that give suck in those days for there shall be great distress upon the land and wrath unto this people. What people was he talking about? The Jewish nation. So when John said the time is at hand, this time that Jesus declared had come. It was a hand. It was at the door. It was the last hour. So you flip over to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse. I always love to go back to 23, so y'all have to bear with me in my folly. So we go back to 23:37, and we'll read into 24. 24:23:37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that killeth the prophets, and stoneth them that are sent unto her. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold your house. What was their house? Their temple. Behold your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. In other words, you won't see me till you see me through others, those that come in my name. Now flip over to 24. And he says, And Jesus went out from where? The temple. I love this if you put this together. Verse 23, he said, Your house is left to you desert. And what he do? He walked out. When he walked out, it was different. The glory of God had departed that house and was never coming back. Jesus was the glory of God. Their the Ark of the Covenant, if you go study, to the best I can study, Kim, history, the Second Temple did not have the Ark of the Covenant. Right there it walked in their door. They didn't realize it. Right there in the ark, the presence of God, walked right in the door. And they didn't realize the ark was speaking of him, and he walked in the door. And when he walked out, he said, now your house is left to you, desert. That's it. And as he was going on his way, his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. Think about it. Sister Carol, I I, I want to make you laugh. You'd like to laugh. We'll make you laugh? No, it's all right. I wanna make you laugh. It's like, hey, Jesus, come here. Look
1: at these
0: buildings. Look how great these are.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Hmm. What did he say to him? He answered, "See, you not all these all these things, or look not on all these things. Verily, I say unto you." There shall not be left here how many stones? Not one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down is over. And then it comes into uh, all these. Uh, when shall be the time of that coming? When shall these things be? What is the sign of the coming and the end of the world? all right and a lot of people preach that as futuristic well they were speaking directly to what jesus said about the one not one stone being left upon another of the temple so his answers guess what most likely went together with their question. so most likely he wasn't answering something far away in the future so then when the apostle john starts writing the book of the revelation of jesus christ and begin to declare the things that were at hand. He was speaking of what Jesus had said in 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 the that's written in the Gospels, and also what was declared by the prophets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now let me let me show you one more thing. You know, a lot of people a lot of people say well, they're going to rebuild that temple in Jerusalem <laughs> to destroy it again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some people say to destroy it again. Others say because that's where. Jesus is going to come to, and so on and so forth. I don't know what all they've lived, but they're wanting them to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Now I want to see what what Jesus said about that. Turn to John 4. He goes and meets a woman at the well. Who's ever read the story of the woman at the well? Verse 19. John 4, 19. I'll let y'all get there, because I'm on a computer and I can get there real fast. So I get ahead of you, Sister Kelly. Then so just move through here. Verse 19. The woman perceives him to be a prophet. She says, woman well, saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now she was pretty smart there. And what she say? Next thing. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. Now, if I study my Bible, what's the significance of Samaria? You got it, brother Roger. That's where Israel was at right. our father worshiped. who was it King Jeroboam was it King Jeroboam that wouldn't set up idols right. mm-hmm. in Ephraim yeah. so when I, I believe and I'm not 100% accurate but I believe some have been in Ephraim mm-hmm. you know even when he says he has sheep of another fold, we always think just the Gentile nation we, we may not understand that he had come to Judah yeah. and the kingdoms were split yeah. Yeah. right so, so, so he goes into Samaria. and says, "I must need. I have to go by Samaria because Israel was carried away by the Assyrians and dispersed throughout the nations, and their kingdom had been in Samaria." Now, this, this forces people to read their Bible. If you don't read your Bible, you don't know this. You just, you just don't know it. So here we go. Here Jesus is on the scene with the woman of Samaria. And the, one, and, and the woman tells him, we, we, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. Well she told him before, I, I believe she said before, what, did she say Jacob was her father? Mm-hmm. So if Jacob was her father, would he, would, maybe she was calling herself an Israelite. Mm-hmm. Alright? So, so our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Mm-hmm. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when neither get a hold of it. Neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. worship that which you know not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He didn't say, you got your way of worshiping, Mm -hmm. and we got out. Mm -hmm. Because they built dumb idols in Samaria. And he said, you worship, you know not what? Idols made with man's hands. That's what they had worshipped. And so he said, you don't even know what you worship. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Why was salvation from the Jews? Because Jesus was the Lion of the tribe of Jews. true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth for such doth the Father seek to be his worshipers God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth so here right here is an engagement that everybody in this building should be able to have with whoever the true worshippers, yeah, worship. Yeah, exactly. worship is spirit-proof. So, you, you know, there's a lot of advertisements, and, I, and, I, and again, somebody gave me a plain text, away, and said, Brother Wayne, you can go to Israel, and walk through the land of Israel. I'd probably go. I'm not a it, But on the other hand, there's, there's no more Jesus there
1: is right here. Than there is right here. Right.
0: See, because people in their minds think, well, I go over to Jerusalem and I walk where Jesus walks. And I want to say, honey, you walk where Jesus walks right now.
1: Right. Amen. 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 You know, not It won't cost a plane ride.
0: Right it just means you have to move in your understanding from carnality or from natural to spiritual because the true worshipers worship the father in spirit and in truth and see i almost believe if we would take this scripture to people because people are so set to to worship god in jerusalem or in america they are they may not be like this all over the earth but but it doesn't take very much in America for people to start wanting to worship God in Jerusalem, does it? I don't watch TV preachers. I do every now and then. I, I watch people on YouTube because you find people that, that have a pretty good word on them. And now that we have smart TVs, you go there and play and find people. But people want to, they've tried, you, you know, back when I did watch TV preachers a lot, now there's one brother that's on TV that I highly recommend you spending some time with. It's Brother Lynn Howes. You want to find him. He's on uh, various networks, and he has a tremendous understanding of the Lord. So I, I highly recommend him. So there is a TV preacher I very highly recommend. All right? So I'm not against all TV preachers, and there's other preachers that are starting to see some understanding and light. It's coming. Because the light and the eyes of the, Lord, of the Lord is going to increase in the earth. It's not going to decrease. It's got to increase. So it's going to increase in people. It's going to, it's going to shine bright in the people they're in. But, but this is a good place to engage people, Sister Kim, because in the minds of a lot of preachers, they, they've taught people that someday God's coming back to natural Jerusalem. Jesus said, neither shall they worship the Father. Now is the time. But our coming now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So no more are we going to the physical location of Jerusalem to worship God, and it is what Jesus said to to Nicodemus: "You must be born." See, see, see. We we hear that, and rightfully so. We. we born again salvation, and rightfully so, you must be born again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nicodemus, one piece we don't get sometimes, Nicodemus was a Jew. Mm-hmm. So Jesus didn't say, hey Nicodemus, you're a Jew. And one day, you're just going to walk into this. Because
1: mm-hmm. yeah. you're, you're a Jew.
0: He said, you, Jew, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, you must be born of spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. Because God is a spirit. And the and Apostle Paul understood that and said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, the spirit. So God is a spirit when it makes sense then that his kingdom is in the spirit. So what was going on the day that was at hand in John, and we'll have to carry this over in the morning, but the day that was in hand at hand that John, was what had been taken away at the cross, was being done away at the earth. It was already taken away. Jesus fulfilled it. The law was done. He had fulfilled the law and the prophets. And now what had been fulfilled was being taken off the earth. The the challenge is Christians want to put it back. Right. Uh Wait for Sunday. Yeah. We want to go back under the law. Uh Uh I used to preach you under the law. Uh
1: I didn't know any better, to be honest
0: with you. I'd preach all over you, Sister Kim, with all that jewelry and earrings and. And, and, and everything, I would, your hair, your short sleeves, I wouldn't have this
1: on either. <laughs> I used
0: to walk under that understanding. And, that, and the law never said half of what I followed anyway. And then I skewed other parts of the law, like like uh, the, the one not working on a Sabbath day. I, I did. The ones that, that I thought were, were pertinent, I would get after you real good. But, you, you know, I, I, a dear family member, she's passed on, and, and, and she was like, she's my grandmother,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: she's like a, like a second mother to me after my mother passed. I was mowing the yard one Sunday, and naturally, Saturday wasn't Sunday anyway, it was Saturday. But nonetheless, I was mowing the yard. But I left over with me. She called me. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm mowing the yard. Or I just got done, or whatever I said. She said, you're mowing the yard on Sunday, on the God's day." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the Lord's
1: day. On the Lord's day. Mm-hmm.
0: She said, well, my yard needs to mow. Something like that. She said, Mama, he's my day of rest. said something to her like that. Maybe not those exact words. That day was speaking of him and his finished work. And we enter into His finished work. See, we cease from our labors, and we enter into His. And see, see, there's a there's a scripture in Hebrews. I'm, I'm trying to remember where it is. I think it's in Hebrews 10. And and uh, last year it took on a new meaning to me. I believe it's in Hebrews 10. But it speaks of of that which is being done away, being taken away, and it may not be there, but somewhere in the book of Hebrews, and I'll try to find it. By in the morning, so what had been taken away was the old system. it was gone. the old priesthood you, you don't you don't come that what where, where's it at, brother Roger, that the way into the holy wall is not manifest while that still stands? oh it's a, I'm looking almost right at it. Uh, it said verse hebrews nine six now these things having been thus prepared, Hebrews nine and six. Hebrews 9:6. Now these things, having been thus prepared, the priests go in continually into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the services. But in the second, the high priest alone, once in the year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people, the Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holy place had not been made manifest while the first tabernacle is ascended, which is a figure for the time present. So I never got this. He was still standing when he wrote this. Oh, yeah. You know, I read that, and I, and I really didn't get it. See, see the apostles, I, I, you know, at least this is what I believe. The apostles quit writing before 70 A.D. You realize no more scripture. This is what I believe. And you can search it out with the Lord. And the Lord may correct me, Sister Kim, so I'll give, I'll, I'll absolutely... Give the Lord the ability to correct me. I want to be corrected. But you realize no more scripture has been written since the apostles, right? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe when Daniel said, Seal up the vision, this was it. Mm-hmm. This, this was what was sealed up, was what they wrote. Mm-hmm. It was completed before Rome destroyed Jerusalem. After Rome destroyed Jerusalem, that, that, that they had written began to be made manifest all over the earth. Now they already had it. They already had Jesus. Paul was already declaring Christ in you before that happened. But afterwards, the kingdom of God has been advancing over the earth throughout the generations. What's going on? Instead of the church teaching the kingdom of God's advancing across the earth, they're teaching the kingdom to come. -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't believe the kingdom of God's here.
1: Waiting for it to come. They're
0: waiting for it to come. Mm -hmm. And and when you get into the parable of the sower and seed, Jesus is speaking to them of the mystery of the kingdom of God, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a mustard seed. So it's planted as this small seed and it's planted into the apostles. And the apostles, you know, the seed was Christ himself planted in the earth and raised him from the dead. But the apostles begin to broadcast this seed across the earth, and now it's being broadcast across the four winds of the earth. You can go in any country and you can find the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? He is Lord of heaven and the earth. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover what? The earth. Now, I, I can go with that just spiritual, that is just the, the new heaven and the new earth, or, and and pardon me, and I believe that's where it starts. Right. But I believe it moves right out into the right. whole earth. But see, your minds have been changed, Him. Mm-hmm. He's victorious. I, I was kind of asking the Lord, when He's very dealing with me here. Because I wanted to get in here for years and i saw little things i have taught on the city coming out of heaven different things but the lord showed me things i, I really haven't been able to fully put together and I as in my spirit you, you know because people say something like and, uh you, you know even even in our groups maybe this isn't necessary but it's not necessary the advantage of the written well, it has to be necessary. Yes, it does. And it just was the enemy because she's the victor. He won. The earth's the Lord. Yes. He's the victor. He's not defeated. Church is defeated, beat up, no good, no, no. Ready to lose the battle. No.
1: It's victorious.
0: It's victorious. It's, 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 it's living in the power of the resurrection. Most most of the messengers are many. I should say most because it's changing. The, even the order is changing. Many of the messengers, you know, in what we grew up in, is about this beat up, torn up, barely getting by church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I mean, how can I be a beat up, torn up, barely getting by church if I'm filled with the knowledge of glory of God? Right. Mm-hmm. How can I barely be? alive in Christ if Christ is my life. See, see, the reason we need to understand this, people are looking for answers. They want to, you, you know, I, I believe this, and I'm going to close. I believe that on the earth today, this is Brother Wayne, and, and Brother Wayne could be wrong. I, I, I had this thought, and I'm even going to turn off my recording and somebody listen to it when